a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We have been chronicling the debate going on inside the Democratic Party as it relates to the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, which has pitted progressive Democrats on the far left with more moderate uh, Democrats uh, in the center left. And in the United States Senate in particular, that debate has often come down to Senator Bernie Sanders, a Democratic Socialist, and Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, a moderate Democrat. Over the weekend, Senator Bernie Sanders penned an op-ed that was published in a West Virginia newspaper, not far from Senator Joe Manchin's place. Was that the right move, or did Senator Sanders get a big headline that's going to have a negative result? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So, yes, it was on Friday. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders penned an op-ed, published it in the uh, Charleston Gazette Mail, West Virginia, and Senator Manchin you might imagine, was none too thrilled uh, with <laughs> Senator Sanders writing uh, a paper from his home state. Uh, and that's an interesting debate. So let's go through the kind of the nuts and bolts of where these two senators are as it relates to the president's agenda and what the Senate should or shouldn't be doing, passing or not passing, as it relates to that bill and everything that's included in it. In a recent press conference, Senator Sanders called out Senator Manchin for holding up the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. So my concern with Mr. Manchin is not so much what his views are. I disagree with him. But it is that it is wrong. It is really not playing fair that one or two people think that they should be able to stop what 48 members of the Democratic caucus want, what the American people want, what the president of the United States wants. That would be my position. So Senator Manchin has a right to fight for his point of view. He has not only a right to be heard, he has a right to get some compromises. He's a member of the Senate. Uh, that is a, a very mixed message message there from from Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, while calling out Senator Manchin, saying he's wrong, uh, that it's not fair. Uh, he, he said it's not fair that one or two people think they can stop that. But then he, he finished. He kind of came full circle and said, but Senator Manchin has the right to do that. He is a member of the United States Senate. He has the right to represent his people. Uh, Senator Manchin responded to the accusations that he and Senator Sinema of Arizona were really the ones gumming up the works and stopping uh, the president's build back agenda from passing. What do you say to people who Hold on. you and Senator Sinema are holding this whole thing up? I'm not holding it. You know, we only have 50 votes. Basically, take whatever we don't aren't able to come to agreement with today and take that on the campaign trail next year. And I'm sure that they'll get many more liberal, progressive Democrats with what they they say they want. 
Now, that was a, a very interesting response from Senator Manchin. Uh, he literally said, okay, Bernie Sanders, if you think I'm the problem, why don't you just go out on the campaign trail next year and just add yourself some more progressive Democrats to the United States Senate? Then you can do what you want. Uh, but that's not how it works. And so he's, he literally challenged him. He said, whatever we can agree on, take that on the campaign trail next year, and I'm sure they can try to get more liberals and Democrats. Uh, interesting response from Senator Manchin. Uh, Senator Sanders and, and Manchin have, again, strongly disagreed on the price tag of this whole thing. Senator Manchin's top line number was somewhere around 1.5, maybe as high as $2 trillion. Here's what he said recently. Has no, your top no, line raised since then? My top line has not been. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. Senator Sanders finally uh, criticized the call to lower the price tag from $3.5 trillion to anything below that, 1. 1.5, 1. 1.9, 2.2. Those are all numbers that are being floated out there. Uh, but Senator Sanders framed it in, okay, well, if you want to cut it, tell me what you want to cut. We need some specificity here. It's not good enough to be vague. You want to cut child care? How much do you want to cut child care? You want to cut climate? Cut climate. What? How much do you want to do that? Tell us with some specificity what you want. And so this is where we get to the false choices that are often presented. Uh, you know, it's it's cut this or cut that. Can we have some transparency? Can we look at how long these programs are running? Uh, are, is the progressive left going to keep all the same programs in there and just say, well, we'll only run this for three years instead of for 10 years, and then it will look like it costs less? Uh, Senator Manchin has been very skeptical of that approach, saying, as we've mentioned on this program many times, nothing is closer to eternity than a government program begun uh, because it's so hard to get to the accountability and the outcomes piece, let alone get to is it really worth the cost piece, and then how do you ramp it back down or wind it up? And, and so those are the, the tests and the battles. And, and now I want to come all the way back to where we started this segment with the communication strategy. We've been talking a lot about that today. Uh, we know that uh, those that tried to incentivize people to get vaccines with lotteries, 19 states did that, spending over $89 million, and it did nothing. It did nothing to increase vaccination rates. It was a bad communication strategy. So now let's take a look at Senator Bernie Sanders, who did what I think is uh, the big, the biggest no-no of no-nos in the United States Senate, and that is you do not write an op-ed targeting one of your colleagues in another state and have it run in that neighboring state. Uh, there are some elements of decorum in the United States Senate that just say, you know what, if you're going to go into someone's district, one, you should let them know ahead of time. Uh, if you're going to make a public appearance uh, in another state, you should give your colleagues a heads up. Hey, I'm going to be in your state this week. I'm going to be talking about this issue. That's just common courtesy. Uh, that is the way the Senate has has functioned for years and years. Uh, but to go to a newspaper in one of your colleagues' states and write an op-ed basically attacking and undermining your colleague and their position on a piece of legislation, uh, to me, is a, is a major faux pas. 
that's bad communication strategy coming out of Bernie Sanders' office in the United States Senate. If you think hitting Joe Manchin over the head in his hometown newspaper with your talking points, if you think that is going to endear you to Senator Manchin, if you think that's going to open Senator Manchin's mind to more possibilities or compromise or a different kind of debate and discussion, uh, just not going to happen. And so the communication strategy continues to to bubble up on a host of issues as we get into the week this week. Uh, a lot of mistakes made over the weekend, including that one, I think, by Senator Bernie Sanders. You just don't attack a colleague, especially from the same party, uh, in their hometown paper uh, on an issue that you happen to disagree with them on. There are far better ways to influence. There are far better ways to communicate. There are far better ways to have a crucial conversation, to get to the table, to have uh, some compromise, not attacking each other through the press, especially through uh, someone you disagree with through their hometown newspaper. Uh, that's that's poor form in my view. And that's why we end up with so much contention, anger, frustration. And, and it really gets to this stoking of malice. So so now what does Joe Manchin do? Senator from West Virginia, does, does he write an op-ed uh, for the paper of record in Bernie Sanders area? Uh, do they start this battle on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any of the other social media platforms? Do they start attacking each other through uh, dueling press conferences? Do they go after each other uh, on cable news networks? No, that's not how you negotiate. That's not how you deliberate. That's not how you get to good policy and good decisions. Uh, we've got to learn to do this a little bit different and a little bit better. But remember... The communication strategy has to be every bit as robust, every bit as sophisticated, every bit as powerful as the policy strategy. If you don't get that, the policy won't happen. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.